Hello, governor. The name's Max. I'm getting tip-top ready, ready for the big funny face race. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Sorry about that. The big race is coming up. And by race, I mean the annual Cooper Hill Cheese Rolling in Gloucester, England. It may not sound like it, dude, but it's totally an extreme sport. Check this out. So there's this really steep hill in England where they have this event every year. You take a big roll of cheese, like this, and they roll it down the hill. The contestant race after the cheese, though they usually end up rolling after the cheese. Whoa! The person who gets to the cheese first win the grand prize of, you guessed it, cheese. <laughs> you know what I love about this event? You don't have to be the greatest athlete in the world to compete. You could be tall, short, weak, strong, whatever, yo. If you can go down a hill really fast, you can go home with the cheese. Real life is like that too. You don't have to be the strongest and fastest to make it in life. All you really need is a little confidence. Confidence is living like you believe what God says is true. And today, we'll find out what God said about a little guy named Gideon who made a big impact. I like to see Gideon do the cheese roll. I bet he'd be pretty gouda. Sorry, that was cheesy. <laughs> cheese humor. I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> I love opportunities like this because it is awesome to see so many families here at our church and we're just growing in that area, but it's awesome uh, also because you get to see what uh, kids do on a weekly basis, uh, the songs we sing and, and things like this. And uh, this morning's message is similar to, to what I would teach them and even how I would teach and we even show funny little videos like that to introduce uh, our story. But our story today, and we teach every week, this book right here is God's Word. It is 100% true. And uh, we tell kids every week this story that we're teaching. It comes from the Bible, and it's God's Word, and it's true. And our story today comes from the book of Judges. Now, we are going this summer back to the basics with kids, and we're teaching them the books of the Bible. And so uh, last week, kids learned there's two parts to the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. This book, the book of Judges, is in the Old Testament. It's the seventh book of the Old Testament. And it starts with God's people, the Israelites, shortly after they had been led out of slavery from Egypt into the Promised Land. And it's the story that, it, and it goes on to tell that God loved his people so much that he would rescue them over and over again, but each time they would just turn away from him. It was like they kept going in this big circle. God's people would turn away from him and worship other gods, and, and, and then God would allow their enemies to come in and to destroy them, to defeat them, and then because of that, after a while, the people would cry out to God and, and ask for some help, and, and then God would come and rescue them by sending a leader or a judge uh, to come and to rescue his people. And then after that judge died, the people went back into this cycle of disobeying God, following and worshiping other gods. And then God would allow their enemies to come in and destroy them. They would cry out to God for help. And then God would send a leader and on and on it goes. But sure enough, even though God had given his people a new home in the promised land, the Israelites still turned away from him. And once again, God allowed his enemies to attack and to defeat them. 
Year after year, their enemies, the Midianites and the Amalekites, destroyed the Israelites' crops and all their animals, leaving them without food and, and making it really hard for them to survive. The Bible says that they grew low, low in number, but, but also low in their ability to keep strength. They didn't have food or anything. And then finally, the Israelites, after all of this trouble, they cry out to God asking for a leader, asking for help. And God had compassion on his people, Israel, and he knew that they needed help, that they were powerless without him. And so he sent the angel of the Lord. Now, because I am such a talented artist, I will draw for you the angel of the Lord. Here we go. Stick man with a halo, okay? That's the best I could do. That's, my, that's the extent of my art skills, okay? So the angel of the Lord comes, okay? But God didn't send this angel to the strongest person or even the most significant family. In fact, he sent the angel to a guy who seemed to, to be like the most unimportant person in the whole tribe, a man by the name of Gideon. Now, I'll use my great art skills here to draw Gideon. And we'll just put a G over his head to represent Gideon. Now, there was nothing really wrong with Gideon, but he wasn't exactly leader material. He was the kind of guy that other people just looked right past. He wasn't the strongest, the fastest, the smartest. It wasn't like something was wrong. It just wasn't leader material. And so one day, as Gideon was threshing wheat... Now, that word threshing wheat, what, what we're talking about is that he would be separating the, the, the grain from its outer shell, the shaft, and, and he was doing all of that. He was threshing inside, indoors. You usually do this outdoors so that the wind could come and uh, carry the shaft away and it would separate the wheat from the shaft. But he was doing it inside in order to protect his grain because, remember, I said the enemies were coming in and stealing all of their food, and so he's doing it inside to keep the enemies from coming and taking it. And as he worked, this blinding light appeared, nearly knocking him to the ground, and it was the angel of the Lord, and this is what he said to him. Judges chapter 6 and verse 12, mighty warrior, talking to Gideon here, the Lord is with you, the angel said. And then, listen to what Gideon said back to him. Uh, Pardon me, sir, Gideon replied, you say the Lord is with us? then why has all this happened to us, right? The, the Midianites, the Amalekites, they've come in and taken all of our food, all of our animals. How, if God's with us, then, then why all of these things happening to us? Where are these wonderful things he's done? Our people long ago, our ancestors, our fathers told us about great things he had done. They said, didn't the Lord bring you up out of Egypt, out of slavery, across the Red Sea and do that miraculous thing and, and the Lord was with us then, but now the Lord's deserted us. And he's handed us over to our enemies. He's handed us over to Midian. And the angel of the Lord assured Gideon that God was with them and that God was with him and that he was strong enough to do this mighty task. And this is what he says, go and save Israel. I am sending you. God had chosen Gideon to be that next leader, to be the next judge of the people of Israel. But Gideon wasn't convinced. Listen to what he said back to the angel this time. Judges 6 and, and verse 15. Pardon me, sir, again, Gideon replied, but how can I possibly save Israel? 
My family group is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least important member of my family. Have you ever felt like Gideon before? You feel like you just don't quite measure up. There's always someone stronger, someone faster, someone smarter than you. But once again, God promised that he would be with Gideon. But Gideon still couldn't believe that God actually chose him. And so he asked God for a miracle, for a sign to to prove that he was going to be with him, that he did indeed choose him. And so God sent fire from heaven to burn up basically Gideon's lunch. It was meat and bread that Gideon had prepared. And soon after that miracle happened and God had proven himself to to Gideon, the enemies, the, the Midianites, began crossing across the Jordan River into the promised land where the Israelites were living to come and attack Israel. But God's spirit filled Gideon. It came upon Gideon and gave him courage. And Gideon began to draw men to him in order to battle up for war. And Gideon didn't think he was that important, that that many men would even follow him. But 32,000 men rallied around him at Mount Gilead. So, um, you all ready to draw 32,000 stick figures with me? Okay, we don't have quite time for that, okay? So we'll do a little key here, and our one stick man will equal 1,000, okay? That's still 32 stick figures. This is, okay? So here we go. Now, like I said, Gideon was not confident that anybody would follow him, but these men, 32,000 of them came and showed that they indeed had confidence in Gideon to do this mighty work and to lead them into battle, but still Gideon wasn't confident. Again, he asked God for another sign, a, a sign this time, it was kind of like a test, and the test went like this. He asked God that he was going to lay a piece of fleece, kind of like a blanket, on the ground. And that uh, he asked God to, during the night, send the dew, and that it would wet just the fleece, but that the ground underneath of it would be dry. And so, um, that next morning, Gideon woke up, and exactly what you might think, God did exactly as Gideon asked. And the fleece was wet, but the ground was dry. And then... Gideon still didn't trust God enough, and so he asked for another sign. He wanted to double make sure that God was going to be with him, and so he said, this time, if the ground's wet and the fleece is dry, I'll know that you chose me and you'll be with me. And so, next morning, Gideon wakes up, and sure enough, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. Now, let's see where we are on my 32 stick figures here. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Still, 12 to go. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Those heads represent the stick man, okay? (laughs) But there was a problem. 32,000 men. It was a lot of soldiers, but God told Gideon that there was too many of them wait a minute, too many men, right? They're going into battle, right? That's what we said, but God said there's too many. Don't, don't you want more men than the, than the opposing team, right? Well, the reason why God said that there was too many is because he wanted the Israelites to see that he was the one who would save them. 
He didn't want them to brag that, that they could save themselves by their own strength and might and power and by their own numbers. He wanted them to know that he alone is the one that was going to save them. And so God told Gideon to tell the men, any of you who are scared to stay back, you don't have to fight. Well, many of them did leave. There was 22,000 scaredy cats who did not want to fight and who stayed back. So that left Gideon with only 10,000 soldiers. So here we are again. Let's draw our key because I'm not going to draw 10,000 of these little guys. So how many would I have to draw? Nice. There we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. There we go. I heard someone say ten. Okay. So ten men from 32,000 to 10,000. But God said there was still too many men. Remember, God wanted to show that he alone could save them, that they were not going to do this by their own might or power, by their own numbers, that God alone would be the one that would rescue them. And he told Gideon to take the men down to the river to get a drink from the water. And then he said, Gideon, once you get there, I'll tell you which one should leave and which one should stay. So Gideon took the soldiers down to the river to, to drink some water. And this is what God said. Any man that scoops up the water with his hands and then laps it up like a dog. That's really what it said. Everybody, let's try that together. Scoops it up with their hands and laps it up like a dog, that that man, that those men were the ones that were supposed to stay, but anyone who got down on his knees to drink the water, well, he should go back home. And so after Gideon got done separating the men, there was only 300 of them left. So it's always important to keep your key the same, okay? So our key here is that one stick man equals a thousand men. Here's some fractions for you, our upper elementary maybe. We need to draw a third of a stick man here. So, arm and a leg. There is a third of his head, his arm and his leg. 300 men. How many men? 300, that's exactly right. Gideon's army went from 32,000 to 10,000 to just 300. But God assured Gideon that he would be with him and that he would use this small band of warriors to save the entire nation of Israel. And so that night, Gideon and his men camped at the spring of Harad and in the valley below them was their enemies. They were spread out. Their torches and campfires flickered in the dust for what seemed like miles and miles. Tons, thousands and thousands of men. And as Gideon laid his head down for the night, once again the voice of the Lord came to him. And God told Gideon to get up and to go down the hill to where the camp of his enemies were and to listen in to what his enemies were saying. And so Gideon and his servant got up, went down the hill to the edge of the camp. They listened in and they overheard one man telling his friend about a dream he had had. 
And I want you to hear this dream. Judges chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. The man said, I had a dream. And this round loaf of barley bread came rolling into the camp of Midian. It hit a tent with a great force. And the tent turned over and fell flat. It was a dream that had an interpretation, and his friend tells him exactly what the dream meant. He said this, this can only be the sword of Gideon. God has handed the Midianites over to him. He has given him the whole camp. This is the enemies saying this about Gideon, and Gideon the whole time is listening in. God had given him the whole camp, all the Midianites, and because of this, Gideon bowed down right there on the edge of the enemy's camp and worshipped God. Then he and his servant rushed back up to the hill where the warriors were sleeping. Gideon had received some courage from what he had just heard. And so he went out throughout the whole camp yelling and, and telling the men to wake up because God had given the Midianites into their hands. And so he divided his 300 men into three small groups and he gave each of them a... and then. My art skills are sad here. This is my trumpet, okay? He gave them a trumpet, and then also he gave them a torch. But this torch, with it, he gave them a pitcher or a jar to put over top of the torch so that they could sneak up on the enemy and they wouldn't see them coming. They, they didn't have any light. And so he told the men, here's your trumpet, here, here's your torch, let's go down, but do exactly as I do. And so the men crept down to the outskirts of the enemy camp. And Gideon and his men, at his, at his warning said, blasted their trumpets, smashed the jars so that the torches inside blazed bright into the night sky. And they shouted with a loud battle cry, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The Israelites just stood in the same place, the same position at the edge of the camp, but their enemies panicked. Some of them ran away in fear, and then others of them drawed their own swords at their own men. They began to fight against each other. And so Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country to tell everyone that the Midianites were on the run. And soon, Gideon's band of just 300 men was joined by other Israelites as they chased the Midianites and the Amalekites across the Jordan River. Gideon's men, 300 of them, defeated the great Midianites and won the battle. And Gideon went on to lead and to be a judge of Israel for 40 years, and he led them in 40 years of peace where they worshiped and served God alone, all because Gideon allowed God to use him. Now, at first, Gideon didn't feel like he was the right person for the job. He felt like he was the least important man in the least powerful tribe in all of Israel. But Gideon learned something really important through all of this, that God can use him no matter what. And that is true for you too. No matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, how, how smart or funny you are, God can use you no matter what. Let's watch this closing video. Gideon was the least important member of the least important tribe. And for some reason, God chose Gideon to lead an army into battle. Think about what that story says about God. It says that he can use someone who might think they're unusable to do remarkable things. He says God can see potential in a person that they may not even see in themselves. 
Now, what does the story of Gideon say about you? Maybe you feel like a Gideon. Maybe you feel you're not important or that other people are more important than you. Maybe you wonder if God could ever use someone like you. Well, wonder no more, my friend. God can use you. He can use you no matter what. No matter how small you are, how old you are, how fast or slow you are, he made you and you are important to him. That's why the story of Gideon is so awesome. It reminds us that God can use any of us to do anything. Isn't that cool? Here's the one thing to give you confidence today. God can use you no matter what. Tall, short, weak, strong, whatever, yo. God can use you. And you've got a ripping good safety dance chance of winning the funny face phrase for it if you please, cheese. How do people in England understand each other? Mmm. <laughs> mmm. See you next time. It is true. God can use you no matter what. Matter of fact, that is our bottom line for today. And with kids, every week we have one truth that we teach them that we want them to go home with, and it's this. Everybody say it with me. God can use you no matter what. He used Gideon, who thought he was from the weakest of all the tribes and the most insignificant of those men. In other words, the lowest of the lows. And yet God chose Gideon to do a great and mighty thing, to defeat the enemies of Israel, and then to lead Israel in 40 years of peace. The Bible tells us over and over again, everyone in here, man or woman, boy or girl, young or old, short, tall, dark hair, light hair, blue eyes, black eyes, brown eyes, everyone was made in God's image. And because we are made in his image, it means that we have worth and value, that we are a prized and treasured possession. And no matter what you think about yourself, who you think you are, God thinks you are worth it. And he is ready to use you to make a difference in his world. Now, it's not likely that, that God will use you in the same way that he used Gideon to defeat the Midianites and then to lead Israel in 40 years of peace. But God can still use you for mighty things today. He can use you to make a difference in the lives of your next door neighbors. He can use you to make a difference of people across the world. He can use you to make a difference in our community and across the globe. See, the Bible is filled with these stories of people just like Gideon, people just like you and me, ordinary, everyday people used to do extraordinary tasks, the work of God. See, there's the story of Abraham, an old and fatherless man, and God chose him to be the father of all of Israel. There's also Joseph, who was hated by his brothers, the youngest of all the brothers, and God chose him to save his family from starvation. There was Moses, who had a speech impediment, hard for him to speak, and God chose him to lead Israel out of slavery and into freedom into the promised land. There was David, a young shepherd boy. Nobody thought he could win the battle against Goliath, and God chose him. And God later chose him to be the king of Israel, even with all his flaws. He used Esther, a shy woman, to, to save the people of God from being killed off. He used Peter, who denied Jesus three times, just moments before the cross. He used Peter to start the church on the day of Pentecost. He used Paul, who used to kill and persecute Christians. 
to then take the message of the gospel to the whole known world, to write many letters that we still read today. He uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the foolish to shame the wise. Maybe you feel like you're not important. You feel like others are more important than you are. Maybe you wonder if God could ever use you at all. I'm here to tell you today that he can and that he wants to use you. God can use you no matter what, no matter how small you are, how old you are, how fast or slow you are. He made you and you're important to him. So important that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth to go to the cross for us to die for us, to offer us forgiveness of the wrongs that we've done, to forgive us of our sins so that we could have a relationship with him forever. Paul writes this in Galatians 3.28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free man. There's neither male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are. Christ has died for you. You are worth dying for. And because of that, because Christ has set you free from the bondage of sin, God can and will use you to do mighty and wonderful things in his kingdom. Maybe it's a small task. Maybe it's something that's going to make a huge difference in our world. Whatever the task may be, the story of Gideon reminds us today that God uses ordinary, everyday people just like you and me. No matter what you think or feel about yourself, God cares and loves you enough to use you for his glory. It just takes humbling yourself to allow God to do his work inside of you. It doesn't matter what you've done or, 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 or who you are. He can use you for his work, and he will use you. Let's pray, thanking God for that great promise. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are mighty and great, that you are powerful enough to save you're powerful enough to save the Israelites from their enemies, the Midianites, and you are powerful enough to save us from the bondage and slavery to sin and set us free. God, we thank you that you have chosen us, flawed human beings who fail you, who have our shortcomings. You've chosen us to carry out your work of, of reaching lost and of doing great and mighty things in your name, and we just thank you for that. We pray that your spirit will continue to give us confidence knowing that you've chosen us to do your work. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. Most of all, we thank you for the cross. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.